Hey, I got to say a shout out to Taylor because she is doing the job here that I have done before. And it is not easy preaching to kids because the thing is like they pay attention. And half the time we know that you all do, you don't. So we could stand up here and say whatever we want to say. And most of you would just. And yet the kids pay so much attention. And so um, you got to really be on your game to be a kid's pastor. So I love you, Tay. You're awesome. Rock out back there. So, well, hey, I'm excited. I've had a great week. Um, we've had some fun things happen in our family this week. Yesterday, my son got to get his first real bow. That's kind of what we do in our house is like hunting and like the manly not that football is not manly. Football is very manly. So manly that my kids can't play it. But um, anyway, it's been a really fun week. So I'm excited to be here with you. But as I've really just kind of been preparing for what God wanted me to share with you today and to speak over you, I began to think about the people in this place and the people who I was going to get to preach to. And I have to tell you, I just began to get really excited about the fact that I get to belong to you here in this church, that you are the people that God has placed me with in this season of life. And um, I just, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I am really honored to call you my church family. And, and I don't say that lightly. I've gotten to be in ministry for a really long time, like longer than I haven't been in ministry in my lifetime. And so I've gotten to serve a lot of people and know a lot of people and love a lot of people. But you guys just hold this like special massive space in my heart that um, is, is so intentional for you and what God wants to do. And I'm just excited to, to look out. I see individuals and faces and stories of life change. And I am so expectant for what God is going to do in each and every one of you. And I, I see some of you sitting there and you're probably thinking, I don't think she's talking to me. I am talking to you. Like, I just so believe that God's going to use you in a massive way. And I'm, I'm so proud of you because I see you stepping out and stepping into leadership roles that you probably never thought you would ever take, or maybe that would never be offered to you, or that God would never open, or maybe you never even dreamt of believing that you had the ability to be a leader. But, um, it just makes me just sit back and go, God, you did not spare one single ounce of blessing when you placed this group of people here, did you? And it just is to me so obvious that God's extravagant love is upon you. So I hope that you know that. And um, the guys are like, come on, let's wrap up this fluffy talk. We're, let's talk sports again. So we'll get there. Um, but in case you're new here and you're not familiar with kind of our structure and our setup, I want you to know a little bit about... Um, how, we're, how we are set up. So we have a leadership team that's made up of five couples, and we all lead in unity together going in the same direction. And then we also have a, um, a teaching team, and there are seven of us on the teaching team, men and women, and we rotate and we share the responsibility of teaching and preaching the Word of God. And um, we do not take this lightly. We don't take it for granted that someone's going to get up here and talk about God's word. We spend a lot of time in prayer and preparation and just believing that whoever God has put on this stage is to speak the word of truth to you on that individual Sunday. And um, so anyway, my name is Heidi Bolt. My husband is that smoking hot guy right there that knows nothing about football. <laughs> but um, he could shoot bullseyes from like 90 yards away. So, I mean, I think that's hot. So 
it's all good. But we have two children, two little boys that we're raising to just be world changers for Jesus and a daughter on the way. And so we're getting ready to enter that world of girliness. And we're praying that she sleeps and that she's not dramatic. So if you want to join us in those prayers, you can do that. Pretty much I just hope that she's like my little sister Holly because Holly's awesome. And so we named her Collins, which actually means Holly. So there you go. I hope she's just like you. Um, so anyway, we, this church, we, um, our teams, our teaching team, our leadership team, we, re- we meet regularly, and we often end up discussing how incredible you are, how incredible it is, what God is doing within your lives and your hearts, and how he's just really equipping you to step up and to move into the ways that he's got for you. So um, as promised, I'm going to stop with the fluffiness, and let's talk about something that's a little more manly. I don't want you men to check out. So let's talk Braveheart, like that, that epic classic film that is so incredible. I mean, what man wouldn't want to be William Wallace, right? I mean, talk about manly. I'm not even a man, and I think it'd be cool to be William Wallace. Um, But he says something in this film that just, I remember the first time I heard it, it caught my attention, and I've never forgotten it. He said, every man dies, not every man really lives. And I want to add to that slightly. Every man and woman dies, not every man and woman really lives lives. And at Church 214, we so believe that we as a team are called to raise up and to equip leaders. Why? Because when you are stepping into the role that God intended for you to lead in your life, in your specific area, you truly begin to live for his purposes. So we're called to equip people, young and old, male and female, And I want to help you recognize your God-given gifts and the calling in regard to advancing the kingdom of God. And we've seen countless ones of you step up over the last year and begin to do that. And I just, I love it. As a leader, there is nothing more fulfilling. It's like watching your kids grow up than to watch you step into what God has planned for you. And so um, as Taylor said, our current series is called Heroes, and we're actually looking at people in the Bible who were heroic, who stepped into what God had for them, um, kind of against the odd, just living boldly for God, and just kind of straight up acts that empowered their obedience and their faith in God. And over the weeks, I've heard our teaching team speak on different heroes, and I have been struck with this realization that many of the heroes that have been preached about have also inspired other people to go on and do acts that were heroic in their time and in their place. And I love that because that's part of my heartbeat. And Jesus himself, he exampled this when he allowed a group of scraggly men, 12 disciples, to travel with him in his adult years of ministry, to follow him everywhere he went, to live with him, to dine with him, to eat with him, to, to sleep you know, in the same space that he was going to have to sleep in, to possibly not get showers together, which a group of men traveling together, that's disgusting. But Jesus allowed them to do this. And I've been privileged to get to travel with many leaders in, in ministry. And I'm telling you what, it is not the most foolproof method when you choose to include people on your journeys. Um, It can be really awesome. It can be really, really challenging. There are always varying opinions on specifically where to eat, um, how often we should eat, how early we should meet up, dealing with people that are chronically late, those who are always prompt, um, dealing with people that 
um, maybe aren't in the best of moods in the morning and those that want to go to bed early and just, it's not always foolproof. Yet Jesus was a leader that chose to include people in his travels. And um, I just think it's so interesting to note that he, in doing that, raised up the most influential leaders the world has ever known. The most effective leaders. Now, thousands of years later, we're still emulating the acts that those men carried forward. Talk about true leadership. See, I think that true leaders help raise up other leaders because it's not about us. It's not about what we're doing. It's always about who we're leading, who's following. So um, as I was hearing everyone preach, I started to think, okay, who, which hero in the Bible am I supposed to preach on? And I started to get this sense that I was supposed to preach on the women of the Bible. And I'm going to be super frank with you. It's something I don't struggle with. Um, I was not totally smitten with the idea of speaking on females in the Bible at very first. Um, See, I was in kids' ministry for like 13 years, primarily because I did not want to graduate into women's miseries. Um, Some of you are going to catch that later. Um, But no, I mean, I really, I do love women. I think they're awesome. I think they can be very dramatic, and we'll work on that. But I just felt like it was kind of predictable for a female preacher to get up and talk about a female Bible hero, and I don't really like to be very predictable. So I just kind of kept searching and like thinking maybe God would re-give him and give me a new message for this, for today. And finally, I had this thought hit me. Maybe I need to look at this from a different perspective. If I'm going to talk about the women in the Bible that led, I would have looked through, were there any men in the Bible that God used and allowed the women of their day to be heroes. And so I began to look. And I realized that the greatest example of a male leader breaking tradition to include women was, get this, Jesus. Now, I wondered briefly, is the teaching team going to think I'm selfish if I snag Jesus as my hero? Like, that's kind of pulling the trump card on everybody. Like, hey, Mike, it's awesome that you preached on Joseph. Well, I'm going to preach on Jesus, you know. Um, But Jesus was still available, so I just snagged him and ran with it. And I'm a really big fan of his, so I thought I would talk about him. Um, But Jesus is a pretty broad topic to cover in one Sunday, so we're going to narrow this down. And we're going to actually look at a topic that in many religious settings is highly controversial, um, angrily debated. And there are so many haters about this particular topic that in many cases it would require an actual superhero showing up on the stage to set the subject in order. I mean, literally, it would. Um, And some in the Christian setting are just too scared to even use the two words together. You guys are like, what in the world is she going to preach on? I need to cover my kids' ears that are left in here. No, the two words are women and leader. That sounds life-threatening, doesn't it? Guys, don't answer that. Don't laugh. I'm, I'm telling you what, though. It's unbelievably appalling, some of what is being said by people, men and women, that claim to be lovers and followers of Jesus when you start talking about Jesus, including the women in his church ministry. I mean, it literally makes me want to just straight up shout, are you kidding me? Are you not considering the history and the time frame of which we have been placed? I mean, what century are we living in? 
We're in a place where God has positioned me, a female who he has called to leave, uh, to lead, to be alive in this exact time where women are no longer oppressed by social or societal law. We have privileges just like men do to vote and to own land. And God did not miss the fact that I would be alive in 2016 and that he would have called me to be a leader in a setting in his church. And so I absolutely love the fact that Church 214 has this great conviction and belief that God actually created men and women together. And the coolest thing about this conviction is that it's not opinion-based. It just comes right out of Genesis 1, 27 and 28, where it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female he created them. And then God blessed them, and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. He told them this together. So as I was thinking, who am I going to preach on? I figured, I'm going with the big guns. Like, if I'm going to really talk about women and leaders, I'm, I'm pulling out all the stops. I'm going right to Jesus. And I'm going to ask, what does God's word really say about women helping lead in his church? Now, there's a lot of doubt surrounding this subject. And whenever I counsel women um, or meet with them and encourage them, I have this hard, fast rule. Um, you know, whenever they're struggling with something, just when in doubt, don't pout, just read God's word. And it doesn't rhyme, but it's truth, okay? And they don't often love this advice because it encourages them to not be in a state of being coddled. That is not one of my gift sets. Um, and it just encourages them to put action in order to change an attitude. And so I want to just jump right into God's word and say, God, what does your word say about women leading in ministry? Luke 8, 1 through 3. Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. Can we pause just for one second? Can you imagine if Jesus showed up face to face to you and started telling you about himself, about the gospel of Jesus? How incredible. And yet how many people actually missed it with the son of God standing right in front of them? Like that just hit me and oh my goodness. But it says he took his 12 disciples with him along with some women. It goes on to say that among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, who was um, Herod's business manager's wife, okay, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources, their own wealth, their own riches, to support the ministry of Jesus. So, I mean, Jesus had to have food and places to sleep, too, so he would have needed money and resources to have his ministry pushed forward. And he was allowing women to come alongside him to help fund his ministry. That's a big deal. You know, and I'm reading this, this passage wondering, why have I never heard more preaching on who it was that Jesus included in his ministry? Why is this not being talked about more? But with Jesus having set that example, here at Church 214, men and women alike are always going to be welcomed and encouraged to be in places of leadership and ministry roles here. See, there's this, just this wealth of talent and knowledge and wisdom that comes from women and from men, but specifically when they are unified 
God is able to work in such a beautiful and amazing way. And yet, through times in history, that spirit of the woman has been completely quenched. Women were discriminated against. In the 1800s, Matthew Arnold said this, If ever there comes a time when the women of the world come together purely and simply for the benefit of mankind, they will be a force such as the world has never known. And in that time, women could not vote. Women could not own land. They were seen as um, just properties, really. And so here at Church 214, we said from the get-go, hey, we are not going to sideline women. And we're going to have women lead right alongside the men, right alongside their men. And we're going to partner with them, not in like this she-power, overthrow kind of manner, but in a partnership, teammate, helpmate, God-intended kind of manner. And it could be a beautiful thing. You know, and I just want to speak, in case you're someone sitting in this audience today or listening online, if you don't agree with that approach, that is 100% okay. You are welcome to your own interpretations, your opinions, your confusions. Um, but you're likely not going to thrive in this church setting if you're hating on women in ministry. Why? Well, because it was God's idea. And second of all, um, we have this like massive group of these mighty, awesome warrior men that are like so proud of their women. And they could absolutely slay you <laughs> if you start hating on their women. I mean, my husband preached two weeks ago with a giant sword, which happened to belong to a woman in this church. How cool was that, right? I know, I kind of laughed. I like, we emailed Mike Crowey and we're like, hey, you have a slew of boys that you're raising, all that own like pocket knives and guns and bows and run around and kill things all the time in your backyard. Do any of them have a sword? And he responded, actually, Michaela does. <laughs> I knew I loved that girl. But so our guys are just like the best. They're the very, very best of the best. And um, I've been surrounded by lots of men in leadership. I have never been surrounded by this many godly, righteous, unbelievably talented men who are so driven in pushing the church of Jesus forward. And so, guys, I'm going to just speak for all of the chicks in the house. Chicks, if you're with me on this, say amen. Well, you don't know what I'm going to say yet. Um, guys, thank you. Kip, pregnancy brain, okay? I want to just, I want to thank you men for being so godly, for setting the stage for the church of Jesus to be pushed forward. Guys that, not just the guys on the leadership team, not just the guys on the teaching team, guys like LD, who are here every week, paving the way for you all to show up and to sit in a seat. Guys that are beginning to step forward. Guys like Cody, who are wrangling his own little crew of boys running around, and yet they choose to get here early to set up for you, to be ready for you, to be prepared for you. Not because of anything that they're getting out of this other than fulfilling the role God has called them to be in right now. And so um, I just, I want you guys to know that we are so proud of you. And because we get to serve alongside of you, it makes our role as women and leaders that much more of a privilege and of an honor. Because we don't have to like force our way into the setting. You're just making the way for us. So thank you for loving us the way Jesus loves us, for leading us, and thank you for 
including us. It's a big deal. Women in the house, what do we say? Amen. Amen. That's right. So, um, yeah, Kip, that starts with you for me. Thanks for giving me that covering to just walk in what God has for me. It's a, it's a really big deal. So the cool thing, though, is that as we are in submission to our husbands, to the men of this church, it gives them the ability to lead us in love. And then in unity, we are able to be submitted to God's authority together. And it's a beautiful picture. So um, I was considering, are there any, were there any examples that Jesus would have been able to look to of men allowing women to be in leadership roles, to be in the church, to be in a place that other men weren't allowing them? And I thought there were two really primary in Jesus's life. One was God the Father, who took it upon himself to create men and women together, as we talked about. So there was that example. And then there was the example of his earthly father, Joseph. And as I was studying for this message, I wrote down that Joseph allowed Mary to lead in a setting when other men were not allowing women to lead. And I thought, how interesting that he had an earthly father that did that for him. And then I thought, well, man, I'm not really going to have time to go into Joseph in my message. So how's that going to look? And I kind of pushed the thought aside a little bit. And then I sat down here last week and Mike gets up and he's like, today I'm going to speak on Joseph, Jesus's earthly father, about him being a hero at home and which made a way for Mary to fulfill her purpose in the church of Jesus Christ. And I just thought, man, God, you never leave a stone unturned, do you? You are so involved in the details. And so I felt like God was just setting the stage for what he wanted to speak here today. And so um, I just thought that it was beautiful that Mike outlined Joseph's role and that Jesus was able to see his heavenly and his earthly father promoting women in areas of leadership. And um, it kind of fired me up a little bit. It kind of made me feel like, yeah, this is good. This is, you know, these are like important people in the Bible that thought it was good and okay for women to be leading. And you, you all know that I don't really struggle to be fired up about my uh, leadership, but um, I, I love seeing people step forward in confidence and courage and being bold and brave and doing the things that only they can do with their gifts and their talents. But I absolutely despise when people begin to shrink back, when they begin to let their voice slip behind the scene, when they begin to doubt and not have confidence in what God has created them to be. Because we are more than that. The Bible says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And because I know in my own life that when I began to truly walk the path God had for me, that is when I began to truly live. I know I'm going to die, but I want to truly live. And I want to change lives while I do it. And so for many, many years, I've actually known what my gift set was. I've known where my um, strength and leadership lies. And um, I've been running with it for almost two decades in the church setting. And it's been incredible because it's allowed me to live in a very bold manner for Jesus. And um, I, I just, I want to help others understand that before they die, they have to truly live. And the only way you're going to do that is by grabbing hold of the hand of Jesus 
and having confidence in him, not in who you are or what you can do or any talent that he's given you, but just merely in the fact that he's created you as a child of God. It's a big deal. And so as I talk about my passion for leadership in church and ministry, don't misunderstand me. I am so seriously intentional about my home life. I am so smitten with the fact that I am a wife and a mother. I mean, I am so guarded with the things that I say yes to because I don't want my family life, my home life to, to lack because I'm distracted by other things. And so um, every week you'll find members of my family, my siblings around my dining table, because I so believe that the home unit, the family unit that God has placed directly around you has to be the strongest if you're going to thrive in the setting God's put you in. And so I'm really intentional about that. I'm intentional about it with my husband, um, with my children, with my siblings. And I just, if it's not strong right there at home, nothing else is strong. I can get up here and I can try to fake my way through it for you, but it would be phony and it would be false. And um, I just also feel, though, that women are more than just these lean, mean breeding machines, um, which might not be crystal clear coming from a chick that's 24 weeks pregnant. But um, again, my ministry starts at home. It, you know, this is my contribution to my man's ministry. Um, <clears throat> Thank you, Phil, (laughs) says the man who has a pregnant wife sitting next to him. (laughs) Uh, Guys, the the vast, vast benefits of marriage. We could go in. That could be a whole other message. I think I'll stick to the notes. Um, But alongside my home life, God has given me, (laughs) Kip's embarrassed, oh no. The lights are dim. No one can see you're blushing. Um. No, but just right alongside my home life, God's allowed me to do many things in ministry. And I want to take you on a quick journey, um, not to focus on anything I've done, but to show you that when you step forward in confidence, the things God can do through you. Um, So I've gotten to travel nationally and internationally leading students. I've been able to see over 2,000 students step into a relationship with Jesus Christ as I've been able to pray with them and walk them through what it looks like to be saved. Um, I was able to train at the LA Dream Center Um, in inner city ministry. And inner city ministry is something I never thought I would be called to, but I was called to it for a season and it was really incredible. Then I was able to come home and help launch the Peoria Dream Center, which began to serve needy families in our own city. Talk about gaining a heart for the place God has put you in. Go serve the needy and you will begin to see what God really wants to do in your area. Um, I had 13 years in children's ministry. I got to counsel and mentor countless women one-on-one, which sometimes was awesome and which was sometimes really scary and made me go, God, I really don't think I'm supposed to be in ministry. Um, But then years on a church staff in both clerical and kids ministry, um, and then in a pastoral role, um, and now eight years helping in church leadership. And I don't know why, but by God's grace, he's allowed me to help launch three churches, three successful churches in this area. And it's been a really incredible journey. And many of you are now doing the math and thinking, how old is this woman? Um, I'm still in my childbearing years, so we're good to go. 
But um, it has not always been easy. In fact, if I were to really be honest with you and vulnerable, I would say that it has been more difficult than easy. It's always been good because there's always been God, but it has been very difficult. Um, But Jesus has been so faithful because, you see, along the way, there have been quite a few key people that tried to offset the things that God wanted me to do. You see, sometimes there were humans leading in my life who missed it, who missed the direction and the calling that God was wanting to send me down. And it could have been detrimental to the things God wanted me to fill, except for the fact that I was meeting with Jesus every day. And I was getting my orders straight from the throne room. And so it was okay that sometime there were human error that took place, that people tried to close doors, but God continued to open the door of ministry to push me forward into the things he wanted me to do. And I want to share what I have been through with you in ministry because I hope that not just the women in this room, but every man, every woman that might be listening to this message, I hope that it inspires you to believe that you are so capable of affecting life change around you in no matter what setting you're in. I recently heard um, this famous female preacher talk about how she was going into surgery and the outcome was a very unknown. They, they had no idea what the outcome would be. And so she was thinking about, man, Lord, what if this is it? What if I die? And she said she had one thought on her mind as she went into surgery and as they were beginning to put her um, with the mask to, to put her to sleep. And she said, God, I hope that I am bringing home everyone you have called me to bring home to you, Lord Jesus. And I can so strongly relate to that because I know that I'm called to teach the gospel and to preach about Jesus Christ And I've been called to do that my entire life. And I've never been more sure of anything in my whole life than that Jesus is the Son of God and that I am supposed to be bearing witness of who he is to the people around me in whatever setting that looks like. Because, see, life is so incredibly short. Everyone's going to die. Not everyone's going to live. It is too short for us to blow it on our egos or on our status. And it's too short to blow it on useless secondary debates that in the light of eternity mean absolutely nothing in the kingdom of God. It's too short to be full of pride or selfish ambition. And it's too short to let anybody in your life sideline you and prevent you from fulfilling what God wants you to do. See, there's one thing that matters, and it's this. Did I, did I, Heidi, have I been walking in and fulfilling the great commission that he created me to fulfill? Because no one else can do it for me. I know some phenomenal women and some phenomenal leaders, and none of them can fill the role that God created me for. Likewise, no one can do what you're supposed to do. Did I put Jesus first in every area of my life? And and as a female and as a follower of Jesus, it has to be my clear focus that I must make Jesus' last commandment on earth my very first priority. The Great Commission. He said, go, make disciples of all men and women. So when a general gives a command, you tend to stick to that command until the mission is complete or until his orders change. See, Jesus ascended into heaven and he said, go make disciples. We have not completed the mission yet. 
He has not returned yet. So we are still on course. We are still on mission. We still have to be focusing. The Great Commission has to be our first priority. He did not say, hey, if you're having a great week and a great day and your kids are behaving, maybe go out and chit-chat to some people around you about me. He did not say, if you are a gifted communicator, then it will be your responsibility to preach the gospel. He did not say, if exhortation is your spiritual gift set, then why don't you try telling people about me? He did not say, if you are a male then you are in charge of preaching the gospel. He said, go out and make disciples. He said, I am leaving. You are staying. I have great purpose in this. I am sending my Holy Spirit to empower you. Now go preach the gospel. And so you, as a follower of Jesus, if you are a part of the bride of Christ, it is your commission to preach the gospel in your setting. Because you know what? No one else is coming to fulfill your role. There is not an LD 2.0. There is not a Gen 2.0. No one else is coming to do the things that you are commissioned to do. Jesus' last commandment has to be our first priority. And so men and women alike listening to my voice today, I hope that you leave here empowered by Jesus to go into the world and to make disciples of every race of every nation, of every denomination, no matter what the church sign says in front of it. I hope that you have a passion to see men and women and children come into a saving relationship with Jesus. Why? Because it's addictive to watch people come into the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It gives you the opportunity to truly live as you watch them walk from death into life. It is incredible. Jesus has not returned yet, and so we are not complete. We have to stay on mission. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things he has planned for us long ago. Jesus made you and I new for his purposes. He knew what he was placing us on this earth to do. And so all we have to do is obey and just step forward in faith. Matthew 9.37 and 38 says that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So let's pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. See, church, we cannot harvest a field that we are not in, okay? And I consider the conflict of men versus women in ministry and who should and shouldn't be involved, and I think that this conflict is such useless effort. Why? Because it takes us out of the field, As we're on the sideline debating whatever it is that we don't agree on, we are out of the field. We are missing the commission. We are not leading anyone to Jesus. See, everyone at some point leads somebody, and I hope that you are leading someone to Jesus. You don't have to lead 2,000 youth. You don't have to be uh, an important preaching woman or man and going around the world and having this great impact. You might be called to impact one person in your workplace. That might be it. That might be your entire destiny. But that one person could burn in hell if you don't fulfill what God's called you to do. It's kind of a big pressure. So we we read earlier, Jesus included women on his missions team. And even though in that day, women were seen just as properties, as nothing other than good for a wife or as a maid or as a slave. See, the rabbis in Jesus' day, the important religious leaders, they would have never included a woman on their disciple team. 
In fact, they even marginalized and discriminated against men. If the men weren't the smartest of the smart and the brightest of the bright, they were told, go back to your family. All you're good enough for is to do your father's trade. You are not good enough to be trained in the scriptures and to follow a rabbi. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to flip that upside down. I'm going to take the scraggly fishermen that you all have off, discarded and forgotten about. And you know what? I'm even going to break all the rules. And I'm going to let some women come alongside us. And I'm going to let them fund my ministry. Why? Because I am a man that has enough humility to believe that God is providing for me in a way that is not normal. And Jesus ran with it. Jesus broke all of the rules in ministry. And so, women, I want to just empower you and remind you of what you were created to do. I'm not talking about women roaring against men. I'm talking about women coming alive and roaring right alongside the men to make a huge impact and a huge difference on the Christian society around us. See, the enemy would love to blind us, especially the men of the world. They, he would love to blind them with secondary debates that are not important to keep women out of the field. We have got to push forward. We've got to have enough um, just like gut to believe that God is in this, that he has called us to do something great. Colossians 1.25, as I wrap up, it says that God has given me the responsibility. This is Paul speaking. Kip preached on Paul a couple weeks ago. He says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people, for God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for the Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ and we warn everyone and teach everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. And that is why I work and I struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Now, I have never suffered like Paul that I've never been in prison. I've never been abused or tortured, but I've faced some struggles in church ministry. And for a few years, I actually let it hold me back because I had a fear of men. I had a fear of what they would think of me if I let my leadership be shown in that kind of a setting. And I had a fear of what men would say about women having a place in helping lead the cause of Jesus. And I had a fear of what they would maybe say about me or a fear of being misunderstood by them. I had a fear of them thinking that I was not submissive to my earthly authorities. And one day I realized I had two options. I could either be fearful of what humans, especially men, thought of me, or I could be confident of what God had placed within me. And so I had to just obey his word, and I had to take that great commission and that, that calling that I knew I had upon my life to preach the gospel, and I had to choose the latter option, and I had to be confident in what God had placed within me. And so, yes, for years, I have, I have been misunderstood in ministry. I've been judged and even pushed from various forms of ministry that for reasons to this day, I don't necessarily know. But it's been okay because God has always propelled me forward. And such an obvious blessing from God is, has been my husband, Kip, because he is a godly man who is not intimidated by the fact that God gave him a strong woman 
to lead alongside him. And he has allowed me to walk in my leadership giftings. Kip is my biggest fan and advocate. And it gives me so much freedom to lead alongside him. And it's beautiful and powerful. And we can reach more people because we are living in unity. And I also had two great motivating factors in stepping outside of fear and into what God had for me. And number one, it was just my pure reverence for God. This holy fear that I had to fulfill what he wanted me to do. This deep longing to obey him. And number two, it was my children's destinies. See, because I believe that our children often echo the fears that we're living in front of them. They often have to face off with fears we have not dealt with. And I didn't want to leave that to my children. I believe that our children will inherit one of two things, either God's promises or our fears. And I was not going to be that woman that left a bunch of fears on the table for my kids to have to pick up and to carry. I want my sons and my daughters to model what they're seeing in their parents, strong leadership, working together in unity for boldness in the church of Jesus Christ and not living in our fears. I, I desire to show them how to really live for Jesus, not just prepare them to die, but how to live. And so I'm going to ask you, parents, will your children, will they inherit God's promises or your fears? Because there's not room for both. Each one of you have this great potential to lead where you're at, in your home, in your school, in your workplace, to your neighbors, to your children. But parents, you are your child's leader, not their BFF. Someday you'll get to be their BFF, but not right now. Leading them now will give you the opportunity of watching them lead later. You will get the payoff, but your child is your harvest field. Your child is your harvest field. Your ministry has to start at home. So wherever you've been placed, I pray that today you will step away from hearing this message with a new understanding that you have got to put the fear of man, no matter what it looks like, aside. Step into confidence and claim the promises of God. Because, see, heroes have to be bold and brave and confident. And they can have bad days, but at the end of the day, they still have to get up and do what they're called to do. So I want all of you to get on your feet for a moment, and I'm going to pray over you. God, I so believe that you have this great commission and this great call for these people specifically that I'm speaking to. And I'm so proud of what you have done in each and every one of their lives. But God, I pray that you would begin to break all bondage right now that would enslave us specifically to fear. God, we say that we are no longer slaves to fear. We know that we are a child of God. And so, God, as we begin to sing this and to praise your name and to lift you high, I pray that hearts would be released, that lives would be set free. Lord God, that a lack of confidence would fall by the wayside. God, not in a sense of pride or selfish ambition, but in a confidence that comes only from your spirit. A confidence in knowing that you have placed us in such a time in history for such a time as this, to help fulfill your great commission. God, thank you for including us on your mission team. Thank you for not segregating anyone, that no one is unworthy of coming alongside you to make your name known. I pray, God, that today these people would have this great understanding 
that they have the potential to see first-generation Christians change generations to come. It's a huge thought, and it's a big calling, but I believe we can do it. I pray all of this power through the blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. The church, we're going to sing this. We're going to go out and we're going to claim this, that we are no longer slaves to fear. We are a child of God. All right? So I want you to sing this with all you've got.